Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Portrait of a Lady on Fire in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. Portrait of a Lady on Fire. This is a new film. It is a 2019 film released in a limited fashion in December, early December. And I don't think it really goes wide until mid-February, which is kind of crazy because, uh, I mean, I guess we won't know if it's got, it gets nominated for any Oscars. It's not, it was not submitted by France to Best Foreign Film, Best International Film for this year. Uh, that was a film titled Les Miserables. But, you know, it could still show up in other categories, possibly. Uh, and if it does, which the nominations come out in a week, and if they do, uh, the film won't go wide until after the Oscar ceremony, which, again, uh, would be a real shame. Uh, more than, So no one was really going to get a chance to see it. I was able to watch the film because I'm a member of Film Independent, which... Uh, allows me to vote at the Indie Spirit Awards, and uh, they give you a handful of online screeners for a bunch of the movies that are nominated for their awards, Portrait of a Lady on Fire being one of those, which is great. Uh, I mean, there's like 30 movies that they sent me um, over the screeners this year, and I, I love it so much. I love having that getting to you know involve myself in that in that way and getting to see portrait of a lady on fire this early is is a real benefit uh it played some film festivals it played can it played a bunch of other places it you know has been in limited release so there's a chance it's maybe nearby but it it's just it's a a film that has a lot of hype um the fact that France did not submit it uh, as its best as its international nominee is a point a very a, a talking point in a lot of in a lot of places a lot of people that I've talked to and I'm pretty sure everybody I've talked to and everybody that I know that have seen both Portrait and Les Miserables uh, thinks that Portrait is the better film I don't know why it wasn't the film selected for whatever reason um, the subject matter of Les Miserables is a contemporary um, police dynamic uh, with a bunch of warring with warring gangs, and uh, the subject of Portrait of a Lady on Fire is a couple of women in you know the 18th century. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but they are very strikingly different films based on not only the subject matter but character and and everything. So uh, you know France did what France did and. This is what we're left with. So, Portrait of a Lady on Fire is directed by Celine Sciamma. Sciamma? Sciamma? Who, if you have listened to some of my older Circle of Film Award episodes, uh, you will have heard me talk about her in the past. Uh, she, her, her, One of her previous films, Tomboy from 2011, got five nominations. Uh, that year's Circle of Film Awards, including picture, director, and screenplay, for which Siyama won director uh, that year. 
I, at the time, had also watched Girlhood, which I like, from 2014. And then in the last couple of weeks, prior to watching Portrait of a Lady on Fire, I watched uh, her uh, debut feature from 2007, Water Lilies, and a short film she made in 2010 called Pauline. All of these are good movies. Um, Pauline is available online for free. It's like 10 minutes. I like it. It's very short and very simple. And uh, Water Lilies, if you have the Criterion channel, is on there. Uh, might be other places. Don't know if it is. Tomboy is also on the Criterion channel. I think you can find it on Amazon. And the same is true of Girlhood. Girlhood is on the Criterion channel. You might be able to find it with Amazon. Portrait of Lady on Fire. Newest film. Celine Siama got a lot of hype. I was very excited for it. Very looking forward to it. It stars uh, Nomi Merlant. I'm probably not pronouncing that right. Adele Hanel. And Luana Bajrami, among others. Uh, Adele Hanel has been in a couple of... Uh, has, was also in Water Lilies and Pauline that Celine Siama directed. She was in uh, Beats Per Minute, which was, I think, a big talking point in 2017 as far as the foreign language film uh, Oscar race was concerned. It never manifested into anything uh, on the award circuit at the Oscars, but I do remember it coming up quite a few times. Uh, Naomi Merlant. Uh, this is the only thing I've seen her in. Um, this is uh, my first interaction with her as an actor. So, suffice to say, very much looking forward to the film, and uh, pretty much nothing, you know, it it really did feel like at the time, you know, I watched it, it was the last film I watched in 2019, and with one exception uh, that I'm aware of, which is 1917, is the last film I really felt I needed to see for my own personal awards. Uh, you know, the 1917 having just coming coming off a win of a drama win at the Golden Globes and a director win for Sam Mendes. A lot of it, I'm very excited to see 1917 and finally, you know, hopefully put to bed the 2019 awards as far as I'm aware. Uh, I will continue to watch 2019 films, but these felt this is this is these felt like the big ones I could not miss and uh, my awards would be absolutely incomplete if I did not have at least seen the film uh, to factor it into it so portrait of lady on fire is very much um, you know it, it was something I came into very willingly and very open to being impressed by so the basic premise uh, it takes place in the 18th century on an island uh, we we meet uh, Naomi uh, Merlant, who plays Marianne. I'm going to refer to her as Marianne because I don't want to keep butchering her name if I am. Marianne is a young female painter. And uh, the opening scene is her, uh, I believe, teaching a painting class. And one of her students points out a painting that she has done. And it is, of course, a portrait, sort of, of a lady who is on fire. And the student asks her, you know, how did this, you know, who did, how did this happen? How did you paint this? Who painted it, etc. And this is kind of the wrapper of Marianne telling the story of how that picture came to be, how that portrait came to be. She shows up, shows up on this island, and her the the task with which she has been asked to complete is to paint the portrait of a young woman. 
for her wedding. And we find out early on uh, that the particular woman was does not want to be uh, painted. She refuses to pose, has refused to pose for a previous painter. And so to hide the fact that Marianne is a painter, she is being... She is being um, presented as a, simply a friend to go and walk about with. That is the vague premise of this film. That's how uh, we enter the story. And I think on its surface level, I, I it's a very, I don't know, it, it's a very simple premise that even from from understanding the the understanding it opens itself up to a lot of creativity and possibilities because you know what what you ultimately have are two characters who due to the nature of their understanding and information have very different views of what their relationship is and, you know, this is something that has happened in many, many movies and many, many times and books and TV shows, etc. And it's often played for uh, largely comedic effect while the guise is still uh, unapparent. And then eventually, throughout the course of the story, this, uh, this, this wall is broken down and, you know, there's a kind of a falling out. So on on that level, I think it, you know, that's fairly typical of of a story that plays out this way, you know, whether it's the movie where um, somebody who's not, who the, you know, I, you know, I've seen uh, one of my favorite movies, The Imposter, is literally this. It's a story of revolving around a guy who pretends to be somebody else to, you know impact the relationship that he has with these other people or you can look at something like the departed where you have two people you have people within that movie who constantly are pretending to be different than what they are and and eventually when those reveals happen it changes the dynamic of everything and sometimes the person figures it out ahead of time sometimes they don't some you know there's a lot of different ways to approach this type of story and a lot of great directors have approached this type of story and Siyama approaches it in her way, which is between two women who, you know, this, this uh, Adele Hanel, who plays Heloise, which is, who is the woman to be married, uh, who the portrait is of, she's, to not kind of, she's, she's unsatisfied, I guess, with, with her lot in life prior to Marianne's arrival she hasn't even been able to walk around the ground she hasn't been allowed out of the house and you know she lives this very restricted life and that's to me sounds very typical uh, uh, for a woman in that in that time period meanwhile you have Marianne who apparently is not restricted in the same way she's able to get to this you know secluded island she's able to you know kind of act on her own agency uh insofar as you know she doesn't own this building that she's living in the house that she's living in she doesn't own that stuff but you know she kind of gets to do whatever she wants within those restrictions and 
it's very interesting to get that dynamic between these two characters of Marianne, uh, who is kind of a free, who is a, a, you know, she has the capacity to be free. She has the capacity to do whatever she wants in that regard and chooses to use, chooses to be in a profession that is male dominated. Uh, she has a conversation at one point with another character where she talks about how it's not that, um, you know, the reason she, she she doesn't have the same opportunities that her male counterparts are afforded, whether that's subject matter uh, and so on. You know, somebody asks her why she doesn't paint. I think they ask her. She they ask her why she doesn't paint men, and the answer is because they won't let her, basically, and and, and so on and so forth. You know, you, you, she like I, I presume most women in most occupations at that time what was just you know stifled at every turn and on the other hand on the other side of that you have Heloise who is stifled in every possible conceivable manner uh, and yearns to be free yearns to you know have that ability have even the the briefest glimpse of being unchained and it's it's of this wonderful dynamic it's not a you know exact opposite between these two characters but they're both they both have different perspectives on similar themes and similar ideas and Siyama does a Siyama's script and screenplay does a great job of explaining and showing who these characters are at the very first meeting of them you know the first time we see Heloise we don't even see her face as they leave the the building the house manor uh, whatever it is and they start walking and Heloise starts to walk faster and we only see her from behind you know Marianne is following her pursuing her we see Marianne's face we don't see Heloise's face she has a hood over the back of her head and eventually she starts running and the hood falls off we get to see her hair tied up um, in a bun at the back of her head and Marianne has to chase after her, and they they, cre- they they speed towards the edge of a cliff, and just, at, you know, Marianne calls out, and just as Heloise reaches the end of it, she stops. And when Marianne finally catches up, um, and Heloise turns, and we see her face for the first time, and she says, I believe she says, I've always wanted to do that. And what does is, what is Marianne say? She re- replies, um, she, she questions it. She asks for clarification of some sort. Uh, maybe she doesn't even say anything. Uh, she just kind of like tilts her head and asks, what, what do you mean? And she's like, I always wanted to run. And, and there's so many meanings to that. To me, I... Uh, you know, I spend most of my day inside, but I also have this, in, you know, I, if I wanted to, I could run around this apartment, you know, it wouldn't be very liberating, it wouldn't be very freeing, but I could do it, you know, there's enough room uh, that I could run around and, 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 you know, there's enough space to at least convincingly, you know, I could convince somebody that I ran in this space, 
and this is a very small apartment. They live in a very big manor mansion that Heloise could absolutely physically run in. There's no, there's nothing stopping her other than her containment, her confinement. And, you know, even if she were restricted to her bedchambers, uh, if they're anything like the bedchambers that, you know, there's just so much room. She has so much room to run around. So obviously she can't, she doesn't mean running as an act exactly. I mean, kind of, but not not exactly. There's more to it than that. It's it's not about running. You know, it's it's kind of like, you know, a racehorse. You know, when you're stuck in running in the same circle, stuck running at the same track, stuck running, and then you go immediately back to your stable. You know, that's not, you're not really, you know, running in the way that Heloise means in this. You know, if it's it's the act of getting out of the track, getting off of the beaten path. It's, it's finding a new space, finding an un, uncontained, wide open empty space to maneuver your body through at will you know it's it's finding that openness that that release as it were and that in and out in a nutshell immediately embodies everything about who Heloise is and i think it's it also has the additional effect of being kind of a plague against Marianne because Heloise doesn't want to sit still. Heloise doesn't want to stop, doesn't want to, you know, sit there and let Marianne study her face, study her body, study her posture, study her expressions, her eyes, her hair, her clothes. She doesn't have time for that. She does. She sits around and does that way too much on her own time stuck in the house. This is time where she can be free, where she can run, where she can, you know, bathe in the the sea and and you know feel the wind and the breeze and and the the weather and the outside and the air and you know it instantly overcomplicates everything that Marianne has been expected to do. You know, if she's not able to paint Heloise while she's aware of it. She has to remember Heloise and, and remember her posture and remember her curves and her clothes and her hair and everything. You know, she starts to, you know, we see when we're alone with Marianne, how she's starting to paint this particular sitting position of Heloise with like her hands crossed over each other and this green dress that she's wearing. And we see her paint the face a couple of times. And from the first time, the first couple of times we see it, it's it's kind of laughably bad. And it makes sense because she's not, you know, she doesn't have the face to work off of. She's basing it all off of her memory and it just, it doesn't, it's not enough, right? You know, I, it, it would take a painter of unimagined skill with a, you know, photographic memory with you know, so many, you know, extraneous details to just to be able to pull off a convincing portrait without the subject posing for them. Especially in this day and age where, you know, you can't take a picture, you can't do anything like that. 
and so it's only natural that she's all of her original early attempts are bad and so watching this unfold watching this relationship watching these characters as they become you know closer but under these you know imperfect circumstances and then how it goes from you know how the ultimate reveal happens and and the subsequent fallout from that for both characters and for the relationship to them there's a lot uh of of layers and intricate personality and characteristic elements at play for both Heloise and for Marianne now to add that on itself I feel is a very very confident would be a very good movie and Siyama adds another couple of layers to it so she includes uh, Luana Bajrami's Sophie Sophie um, is a maid in the building and I, um, I really wish I knew if it was a manor or mansion or whatever I don't remember anyway Sophie is a maid that works there and that she she sort of becomes part of the the group you know uh Heloise's mother is the one who commissions Marianne to paint the portrait and partway through the film about a third into it maybe a little more uh she departs she leaves um and and leaves for Italy and so during that time Heloise and Marianne are are kind of unencumbered by anything anymore and so that allows their bond to grow further and it allows them to include Sophie more uh, which has I won't get into the details about what how Sophie is involved with everything because I think there's a lot of I don't know it wasn't anything I expected and um it, it really is a very puzzling and, and challenging part of the film. Uh, and so I, I think giving us this additional layer, you know, by having Sophie, one, it gives Heloise and Marianne somebody else who's in on it, somebody else who knows what's, you know, that they are, they are so close, that they do have this great relationship together, uh, that they are growing to enjoy each other's company and and they enjoy Sophie's company and you know the three of them become good friends and close with each other they read um the story of Orpheus and Eridice I might be pronouncing that wrong and Eridice Eurydice 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 um who is it's uh you know the um, myth- mythological, the Greek myth, Greek myth. Yes, yes. The ancient legend, uh, which is uh, Orpheus, son of Apollo and Cal- Calliope, is. Uh, I, I, you, you might be familiar with the story, but essentially he has to go ret- uh, grab Eurydice from 
the dead and uh, in the process he can grab her he can find her he's allowed that possibility but if he looks at her before he returns she's damned forever basically as i think the the kind of general synopsis and and of course he does and and so she is and getting the three of them to debate you know what what really you know it doesn't sound cinematic it doesn't sound uh very engaging to watch a scene play out where one character is reading a story and then the others are like, and then they start discussing it which causes them to reread parts of the story like that does not sound compelling in the least and yet seeing the intensity and the focus on Hanel and Merlant's faces and um and 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 Bajrami's faces listening and reading and discussing this story and the kind of greater significance that it ends up playing over the course of this movie uh is is fascinating it's it's so it draws you in and you know it 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 hurts the film itself has elements of this story and there's a there's a point where a lot of movies employ this kind of strategy where they'll use a sort of natively buried work that that you know a romeo and juliet or uh you know an icarus or some something that will be very easy for audiences to reference and understand and realize is very very much similar to what's happening in the film overall and i think siama does the same thing with the orpheus story however uh the lesser films that do this and then they don't all they're not all lesser films that do it uh that's it you know you you I remember an English teacher of mine from middle school saying that she would watch a movie with her husband and she wouldn't be paying attention. She, you know, she wasn't really interested in the movie. Uh, She'd be doing something else, maybe grading papers or something. And she'd look up and watch a scene or two and she'd notice like in the foreground or the background or something, a book, like let's say Crime and Punishment. She'd notice that one of the characters was reading Crime and Punishment and then she'd be like, oh, I know how this is going to end because because she she knows the story of crime and punishment and knows how that applies to the film or story or TV show or whatever it is that she's watching that they're watching. And so some films do that and it just becomes very straightforward and and okay, now we're just going to follow out the remainder of that plot. And some don't even need to have the visual aid. Sometimes it's just easy to know what's happening. Whereas what I love about Orpheus's story within the confines of Portrait of Lady on Fire is it's absolutely relevant. It's absolutely impactful. It does feel um, like kind of a premonition, kind of a uh, foretelling of what, what's to come. There's so much more to, to, to how this story plays out beyond that. You know, that's just one element. That's just one facet because... You know, when you look at the end of the Orpheus story, and even when you're listening to them discuss it within this own within portrait, there's kind of a finality to it. I mean, there is a finality to to Eurydice's fate 
within the story. But that finality is shown in a very different way in Portrait of a Lady on Fire. It's given a much different context. Uh, it's it's expanded upon. It's it's embellished. It's given more flavor. It's it's distorted in a positive way. And and that's I think the real the really impressive aspect. I think I think that's where this, this sort of incorporating this mythology uh, really lends itself really well because as far as I'm aware there was no third like Sophie character in the story of Orpheus um, it's it's very much a, a two-handed story between Orpheus and Eurydice and so there's so much there's other elements going on there's there's more to Portrait of Lady and Fire than just that story than just this relationship between Heloise and Marianne you know when you include so many other aspects the 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 from a from another side of things so so independent of the narrative independent of that you have beautiful costume work the the cinematography and and the you know the the setting the the, the everything about the film looks beautiful the the picturesque vistas the the cliff sides the beaches the building the house the production of it all everything of it in it looks so wonderful uh siyama and her cinematographer claire mathon are they they compri- they compi- comprise such a beautiful film that it's really difficult to to not be overcome by how beautiful it is at times and more to the point, and, and I think she has a lot of similarities to Barry Jenkins in this way, she lingers on scenes that are very quiet and very silent. If you've seen If Beale Street Could Talk, a lot of that movie is close-ups, is lingering. It's it's moments that are extended longer than you would normally extend them. And I, you know, I'm a big fan of Moonlight. I, I really do like uh, Barry Jenkins' films overall. But I, I, I feel like Celine Siama has a much better um, grasp on where, on on picking and choosing the best of those moments to use to extend. Uh, I said um, in my letterboxed review that Siama understands when to slow her film down and languish over a look or a moment, and when to ramp up the pace to glide through the beauty. Of, their, of her characters' lives. And I, I think that's absolutely true. It's, it's, there's, especially early on in the film, there's a lot of slowness, there's a lot of lingering, uh, uh, and, and I'm sure what some people find, some people find it to be fairly boring, but I, I just found it to be part of this introduction, part of getting to know who these characters are, part of going through this struggle, like, oh my goodness, look how remote this place is, look how difficult it is just to get to this island of Brittany, look how, you know, long it takes us to be introduced and see the face of Heloise, who is, you know, the the, the subject of this portrait, it, it, so much of it is, is 
laying such perfect groundwork for the ultimate story that follows and, and for the relationship and, and characters to, to grow and develop uh, for the remainder of the film. The other elements, uh, you know, the editing, I mentioned, you know, getting that shot uh, when when the opening scene of meeting Heloise where she's running away from Marianne or not running away from her, but just running and Marianne's chasing her. And we don't get to see Heloise's face until, you know, she reaches the edge of the cliff and turns around. And I, I love that. I thought that was a beautiful choice. I thought, you know, if this is a movie about Marianne painting a portrait of Heloise, then, and and if and if so much of that, especially in the early on, in the early stages of the film, is reliant on Marianne's memory and and getting to see Heloise's face, these the opening few moment few scenes that they share depict that so beautifully. You know, we don't get to see her face until Marianne sees her face. There's a shot where. Marianne is in the foreground and Heloise is in the background and it's just there's no dialogue it's just Marianne staring forward Heloise staring forward and then Marianne slowly turns to the right to stare at Heloise and eventually Heloise looks over and Marianne's like oh, looks looks ahead again and you know, the the way that the um the focus changes on that scene it, all of it is just it works so well in conjunction with the story with the characters with everything that that Celine Siama is working on and doing. Um, yeah, I, I think there are so many. It, it's so wonderful, so wonderful. I, I had a huge, great time watching Portrait of the Lady on Fire. I really want to watch it again, um, just to kind of, I don't know, confirm everything and feel it all again and and, and get to know it and understand it. It. Uh, I'm not going to talk about spoilers. I, I, every, you know, it's a shame that more people won't be able to see it sooner rather than later. I, I hope it becomes available to almost everyone when it does go wide, and I really wish it would go wide even a week earlier. Um, it's even a week earlier. It's, it's still after the. Uh, I think that would be the weekend of the Oscars at that point. So. I be- yeah, I believe it goes wide the weekend after the Oscars. Um, the, the awards ceremony, and uh, I hope, hope people get. I hope people watch it. I hope people see it. I hope it gets nominated for something. Uh, you know, maybe if, uh, if international film is not is not on the table, it deserves accolades somewhere, and um, it'd be a shame if they they don't give it anything. So, suffice to say, I mean that's kind of it. I don't want to say too much i've said a lot already i will say um currently circle of film award nominees it has a picture director lead actor for merlant supporting for hanel screenplay score tactile special effects nominations um i do kind of need, want to rewatch it and and see and kind of focus a little bit more on each scene individually to see if there's a scene that would make it into that list. But for now, it has eight nominations, um, uh, which is which is pretty outstanding. Uh, yeah, Portrait of a Lady on Fire is wonderful and deserves to be seen by everybody. And uh, like, like um, 
what uh, why can't I think of his name uh, why can't I think of his name guys uh, Bong Joon-ho like Bong Joon-ho said when he accepted best foreign language film at the Globes you should not let you know an inch of dialogue detract from seeing a film there's something to that effect. I wonder if I can film uh, Bong Joon-ho Globes. Uh, don't let sub. Basically, saying don't let subtitles be a barrier to cinema, and I could not agree more. You know, get over it. Subtitles. Uh, I, 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 as someone who's watched a bunch of movies that have subtitles, I know it's 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 tough. Um, it, it's not. I don't know, it requires a different mindset and approach to a film when there's subtitles, when you have to read in conjunction with watching the film. But ultimately, um, it really is uh, worth the experience of, of exploring these new things and these, these wonderful, wonderful worlds that these foreign filmmakers are creating. So... I hope I hope people continue. I hope people will look into it and 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 check out Celine Siama's Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Thank you for listening to today's episode. It does mean a lot. If you'd like to find more episodes, you can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, places where podcasts can be found. You can find me uh, or on on the website circleoffilm.com. You can find me on Twitter at circleoffilm on letterboxd at circle of film or email circle of film at gmail.com you can support the show like it rate review it subscribe to it or tell somebody about it or just listen that's more most important just listen and finally as always have a week so long farewell i'll be the same good night i know she'll never leave me even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be to say adieu. Nothing's really left or lost without a trace. Nothing's gone forever, only out of place. So long, farewell, oh, what I'll be to say. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.